like it is program. I'm Apostle Baker J. Baker, who is a doctor in psychology, and we are here to provoke you to think, to think about how you think about the kingdom of God manifesting in your life. And we do this without fluff and without compromise. And I am so blessed that I have someone that is a friend of mine on with me during this whole series for however long it's going to last uh that does not compromise and does not do fluff so uh i want to introduce you present whatever it is welcome apostle michael fram well good afternoon my dear we need to tell them to invite their friends you do that better than i do to 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 have people to join us. <laughs> All right, folks, listen, you know what to do. There's a little share button on the bottom of your screen. Just hit share and invite your friends to tune in because we are going to be telling it like it is. We're going to be telling it really like it is because Dr. Baker said, Michael, I can't have everybody on this program, but I can have you because you really tell it like it is. So it's my honor to be here with my dear friend. And the more I get to know this woman of God, the more I just absolutely love her because that's how she is. She really tells it like it is and doesn't pull any punches. So together you just get a wham bam if you have the two of us together. So it, it's a privilege to, to be here, Doc. Thank you. Oh, you want me to go? Okay. So uh, what we've been talking about the last several weeks, this is the fifth week that I have the honor of being with Dr. Baker. And we've been talking about foundations and discipleship. And I think we're going to finish that this week, I say by faith. We're going to finish talking about that. We've actually been the last uh, couple of weeks We've been talking from this book right here, which is the ancient blueprint for the supernatural, the lost teaching of the apostles. And we've been talking about um, discipleship and the understanding of discipleship from the Bible, both from the Greek words. And we went through the Greek words of discipleship. And then we began to talk about it from a Hebrew perspective because the Jewish folks also understood discipleship. And we left off talking about the uh, Jewish word, which was Talmud, or the plural was Talmudim. And that is a, a group of disciples. And how with the early Jewish believers, they understood discipleship in terms of not just being a follower, but it was joining a community. It was having hands-on instruction so that you weren't a face in the crowd. And so I want to go in a little bit further into that by reading just a quote out of this book and then break it down just a little bit. And that's about all the time I'm going to have today because we only have 28 minutes from when we start. But I want to ask you a question. How did Jesus train his followers to be Talmudim? And again, that means plural of disciples in the Jewish word. How did Jesus train his followers? Here's the answer. They became his 
apprentices during his three years on earth. And that's really a kingdom concept that we have lost. You know, every trade that there is, my son is actually looking at trades right now, trying to possibly get into a trade union so that he can be an apprentice and learn. And so, you know, if you go to be a carpenter, you have master carpenters and they take the apprentice and they put the apprentice with the master carpenter. It's what we call in the old days, OJT, on the job training. And by being an apprentice to a master carpenter, you learn how to be a carpenter by being with a master carpenter. And the same is true with electricians, with plumbers, with automobile mechanics, with HVAC and people that fix air conditioning and refrigeration. And so this was a Jewish concept. You became an apprentice. And see, if all we think is that being a disciple is a follower, we totally missed the concept. Again, we had talked about it being a pupil. We talked about it as being a student. We talked about it as being one that not only did they want to learn what the rabbi or the teacher knew, but that they would become what the rabbi or the teacher was. And it was all about duplication and replication. And so here we're dealing with this idea of Jesus had those that he, he called them to be with him, and they went into a three-year apprenticeship program. And everywhere that Jesus went, they went. Everything he taught, they heard. And then they even heard the private instructions after he taught the parable. He broke it down for them and told them what the meaning of that particular parable was. They saw every miracle. They were functioning with him, living with him by hands-on instruction. And so let me finish this quote, and then we'll break these points down. Their rabbi, meaning the disciples, their rabbi, meaning Jesus, taught them to rejoice with him at a wedding. And they witnessed a great miracle in which water became wine. He taught them to have compassion on the multitudes. After teaching parables, he called his disciples aside for in-depth instruction. Rabbi Jesus sent the disciples out to minister with no money, no food, and no place to stay. Their master showed how to answer antagonists, how to love the sick, the poor, the outcasts, and children. And Rabbi Jesus taught them how to die. Oh, dear Lord God. Though that's enough to chase people away from discipleship right there. He taught them how to die. I remember an old song back in the day called Ring the Bells. And it said, born to die that man might live, came to earth, new life to give. Born of Mary, born so low many years ago. He was born to die, but you know what? So were we. 
I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now lead, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So it's not even me anymore. I'm dead. People say, well, how do you feel? I got news for you. Dead men don't have feelings. Well, you know, I got a right. No, you don't. You gave up your right when you were buried with Christ. I was buried with him in baptism. And I came up out of that water alive unto him, unto new life. And I live my life now by him. I don't live by what I don't get to dictate what I want. I don't get a vote. He gets a vote. And that's the thing about when you're truly a disciple, you are living by him. You're living by what he wants and by what he does. And so these apprentices, these early followers, they lived with him 24-7. And see, we think, well, I'm going to be a disciple. How close are you to your leadership? How close are you to your rabbi, to your master, to your teacher? And see, this becomes something that is a double-edged sword. This deals with those of us that are in leadership. We've got too many leaders that are aloof. You can't be a shepherd and a leader and be aloof. I remember my dad said years ago to me, he said, son, when preachers get to heaven, the first thing they have to do is they have to pass the smell test. I said, Dad, what do you mean the smell test? He said, the great shepherd is going to stand there and go and take a whiff because he wants to see if they smell like sheep. And we've got too many leaders that are aloof and they don't smell like sheep. Well, you can't raise up disciples and not be intimate with them. People say, oh, touch not God's anointed. Honey, I got news for you. If you shaking somebody's hand, if you hugging somebody, if you loving somebody is going to tamper with your anointing, you ain't got a, I almost said a bad word, Dr. Baker. I'm going to clean it up. You ain't got a whole heck of a lot. I wanted to say something else, but if hugging somebody or shaking somebody's hand is going to mess with your anointing, dear Lord God, you better get back in your prayer closet and go get another one. No, we. The, Jesus lived with these people. He poured into them. And so one edge of the sword is to us in leadership. We can't be the masters, the teachers, the rabbis, if we are not intimate with the sheep. There is no way that we can pour into them. There is no space in the kingdom for aloof leaders. You can't be an aloof leader and raise up disciples. You've got to be with them to pour into them. Again, this whole concept out of Judaism is that the, the rabbi, the master, spent time with the disciples. Again, it wasn't just so that they learned what the rabbi knew, but through the interaction, they became who the rabbi was. And that's not going to happen if 
we are not intimate with those we are discipling and those we are pouring into. But it also puts a, a emphasis and it puts a demand upon the disciples because the disciples had to be willing to spend time with the rabbi. And, and see, we've got folks today, especially in our easy believism Christianity of where we are in 2022. I posted something on Facebook today where people, we have this culture where we think we can go to our favorite teacher or our favorite preacher, and because we just want their impartation outside of fellowship and relationship, we just say, just zap it to me. Just lay hands on me and give me all of it. It reminds me of the socket to me, baby, from way back when. I know I'm dating myself again, Doc. I'm dating myself. But we want people to just zap it to us. Honey, that is not how this works. It doesn't work by zap it to me. I tell people all the time, mantles and anointings are passed by relationship and proximity. And the reason that the disciples got what they got is answered for us in Acts chapter 4. You remember Peter and John are called on the carpet for teaching and preaching in Jesus' name and upsetting all of the synagogue. They even raised up the beggar when they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he goes leaping and dancing and shouting into the... By the authority of the name of Jesus, this man stands before. No more teaching and preaching in Jesus' name. And the Bible says that the religious leaders took note of them, even though they were ignorant and untrained men. They took note of them because they had been with Jesus. See, because they had been with him, what he walked in and what he carried rubbed off on them. And see, if you want what's on your rabbi, your mentor, your master, your mother, your father, your teacher, if you want it to rub off on you, you've got to spend time with them. And, you know, if, if, you don't, if you're not willing to put the time in, Oh, there's a concept in the business world. You got to be willing to put the time in. They were willing to put the time in. And so they submitted to an apprenticeship program. In their apprenticeship program with Jesus, they saw miracles. They saw the demonstration of the power of God. Our job as leaders is not just to show but to tell, not just to tell, but to show. See, they heard his teaching. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people. So as they were with him, these apprentices, they heard him teach. 
They heard him teach every parable. And then after he taught them, they said, why do you teach them in parables? And he said, it's not given unto them to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but it is given unto you. And then he took them aside. And even as Priscilla and Aquila explained the way of the Lord more fully to Apollos, so Jesus explained the meaning of the parables to these that were called Talmudim, the disciples, the followers, the apprentices of Jesus. They got private interpretation. When's the last time you had a mentor say, let me give you what this really means and talk to you. I'm talking about discipleship, the Bible way. I'm talking about discipleship, the New Testament way. I'm talking about discipleship, the way that Jesus did it. Jesus is our example. He is the apostle and high priest of our confession. He is the good shepherd. There has never been a prophet like unto him. There's never been an evangelist like unto him. There's never been a pastor, a, a preacher, or a teacher like unto him. He had the spirit without measure. There is nobody that can compare, but he is the example. He's the prototype that every one of us in leadership are called to copy and follow what he did. And so Jesus was intimate with these apprentices. He allowed them to see the miracles up close and personal. There was nothing hidden from them. They got to see how he acted and how he reacted. And our job is to not just act like him, but to react like him. Our actions are by the gifts of the Spirit. Our reactions are by the fruit of the Spirit. And there's a big difference. We do what Jesus did because of the gifts, but we react like him because of the fruit. Jesus said, they smack you in the face, you turn the cheek and let them smack the other side. Our flesh says, man, I'm going to give you the fivefold ministry in return. But Jesus said, for my sake, you turn the other cheek. You see, Jesus showed them how to live out the character of God. He poured into them through his actions how he conducted himself. When they reviled him, he reviled not. He told them, he said, bless those that curse you. Do good to those that despitefully use you. When they speak all manner of evil against you, you bless them anyway. See, the fruit of the Spirit was demonstrated in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how he acted and reacted became how the disciples acted and reacted. Can I be honest with you? We are so busy chasing the gifts. We're so busy chasing the power and without the fruit and the character, it does us no good. The Bible says that without love, which is the more excellent way, 
we become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. I don't want to be a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. I show you a more excellent, well, what are we talking about? The character. See, Jesus demonstrated compassion. He demonstrated the love of God. Jesus, the Bible says, he was moved with compassion and he healed their sick. Because he was moved with compassion, he operated in the power of God. If we would get the compassion of Christ, we would probably see more of the power of God. I'm talking about discipleship the Bible way. And you don't pick that up if you aren't around somebody that's walking in it. Say, well, I haven't seen anybody demonstrate that. Well, then find somebody that has it and is walking in it and hitch your wagon to what they are pulling. I mean, you, you know, in the natural, we've got enough sense to realize if you want to catch fish, you got to go where the fish are. I've had people say to me, you know, I feel like I'm called to the prophetic. Well, then you better get under a ministry where they have a prophetic mantle. If they don't even allow prophecy in the local church and you think you're called to the prophetic, you're in the wrong place. You've got to get under the right atmosphere. Who you are aligned with really does matter. You want people of character, people of integrity, people that are proven, people that have fruit in their life, people that the love of God emanates from them, where compassion emanates from them, where they are not short-tempered and short with you. They actually have patience and kindness and meekness and gentleness. Because those are the kind of people that actually have an anointing that can change your life. I'm talking about being the right kind of discipler and being the right kind of disciple. You see, these apprentices, they understood the miraculous because the master walked in it. They understood preaching the kingdom because it was Jesus's primary message. They understood teaching because Jesus taught everywhere that he went. And not only did Jesus show them the power, not only did he show them the character, not only did he preach, not only did he teach, but then he sent them out. The sign of a discipler is one that, and folks, I'm going to make it as simple as I know how to make it. I call it 3D ministry. Here it is. We discover people's gifts, their talents, their abilities. Their we discover how God wired you. Second, we develop you. We develop those gifts. We help you develop in how God wired you. And then after we've discovered how God wired you, we've developed you along the line or the bent of how God wired you. Now we deploy you and we set you free. Set them free. Why don't you, you big greedy leader? Set them free. There are so many that are held in captivity within the church. And they're crying to be set free. 
They need to be deployed. Jesus didn't say, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. Eventually, he said, now go. There comes a time when there is a now go. And so Jesus, he trained them, he mentored them, he poured into them, he taught them, he demonstrated the power of God, he demonstrated the character, he demonstrated humility, he demonstrated compassion, and then he sent them out. He gave them authority to go and do what he did. The whole heart of the apostolic, the whole heart of a kingdom message is not to bring you in. See, we, we've had this, this idea in, in the church that is so bass backwards. We have been thinking, get all you can and can all you get. Wrong. That is not the kingdom method. It is not the kingdom message. It is all about, I am here to discover you develop you and deploy you. You need to be empowered to go out and be about father's business. You've got to be empowered to go and do your assignment. There is a calling on your life. You are a child of destiny just because you were born into this earth. There is a destiny and a calling on your life and discipleship gets you ready to walk in it. And so as we look at this concept of discipleship, the way that Jesus did it, it was about hands-on instruction, but it was also about the willingness to be mentored, the willingness to be trained, the willingness to spend the time with the master. Are you willing to spend time with the mentor? Are you willing to spend time with the leader? Do you take the advice? Do you take the counsel? Do you make yourself accountable? I'm talking about what it takes to be a disciple that gets deployed. See, folks, the Bible, Hebrews tells us it's a two-edged sword, and it cuts on both sides, and it cuts leaders because it holds us accountable for how we lead, but it also holds disciples accountable for how they yield to a discipleship process. Am I saying that every leader is perfect? Absolutely not. There are many that are not. They have faults. There's good and bad in everything. But when you find a leader with a heart after God and a love and a compassion that wants to do it right, my God, hit your wagon, hit your wagon. There's a responsibility on both sides. And when we get both the disciplers and the disciples pulling together, submitting to one another, willing to invest the time, we will have more people deployed to advance the kingdom. And isn't that what God wants? And Doc, we got like 40 seconds. This is why I can only have certain people on the really telling it like it is program. I just want to let you know that we're here to provoke you. That means to excite you. That means to get things moving in you. And that's what Apostle Michael did today. So we want to uh, uh, have it so that you connect with someone 
uh, Apostle Michael's information should be up there so that many of you can contact him. And we'll be back next week when we're here to really tell it like it is. He will continue on what I don't know, but I'm excited to find out. So thank you again, Apostle Michael. And we'll be back next week. <laughs> bye bye, people. <laughs>